You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and it's the morning after, uh, or the afternoon after, I should say, uh, Arsenal's latest pre-season fixture. A lot has been made of Arsenal's defeat at the hands of Chelsea, the European champions, of course. There's been a lot of conclusions drawn off the back of that game, and I did say during the post-match reaction show, during the review show that we recorded last night, that there were areas of concern. And the more I've thought about it overnight and kind of calmed down a little bit, and I'm not going to say calm down, that's the wrong term, because I was never that kind of angry or frustrated. But the more I've kind of processed what I witnessed yesterday at Emirates Stadium and what is kind of going on at Arsenal in terms of the bigger picture, in terms of what we need to do between now and the end of the transfer window, the more certain I am now about the areas that do need addressing. And what we're going to be doing on this episode of the podcast is we're going to be discussing the five areas that I believe Mikel Arteta needs to address ahead of the new season. Now, the season is just, what, 11 days away. So Mikel Arteta is running out of time. And while I'd prefer for all of those areas that I'm going to discuss to be addressed by the time we kick off at Brentford, I'm also realistic enough to think that we may have to hold on until towards the end of the month or closer to the back end of the window for us to be able to get those deals done. Those deals that will ultimately help plug the gaps and resolve the issues that we've got. Now, some of those issues can be resolved by going out and bringing in players. Others cannot. Others are internal problems, in my opinion, that Mikel Arteta needs to deal with in-house. And he probably has solutions to deal with some of those issues in-house. So it's going to be interesting to get you guys' thoughts on my five issues that Mikel Arteta needs to address. Before we get right deep into it, though, just want to quickly remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to Manscaped.com, enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you shall receive 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. So Manscaped.com, check out the Lawnmower 4.0. That is the headliner in terms of the Manscaped products. I couldn't recommend it anymore. It's brilliant. So please do check it out. Also, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the channel already, what on earth are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button. It really, really does help. We're edging ever closer towards that 15K mark here on YouTube, which I'm desperate to get to sooner rather than later. And of course, uh, if you are listening via the audio platforms, which plenty of you do, probably still the majority of you are still listening to us via the audio platforms, and that is fine as well. Uh, but if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that really, really helps too. Uh, so please do so. Thank you. Before I was about to jump into the five things that Mikel Arteta needs to address, but it would be wrong of me as an Arsenal fan. Take the journalist hat off. Take the professional hat off. Forget all of that for a minute. 
it would be wrong of me as an Arsenal fan not to have a bit of a laugh at what's going on down the road at Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. Now, I know we're not in a position to be taking the piss and we're not in a position where everything is rosy and beautiful at the Emirates and now we can look at everybody else and and poke fun at them. But I find it hilarious that Harry Kane has decided not to turn up to training today. Uh, it was reported by Sky Sports a little bit earlier on that Harry Kane had failed to report for pre-season training, was due to return uh, to their Enfield training ground today, and he hasn't done that. And, um, you know, Daniel Levy has been quite uh, strict in the past, hasn't he, in terms of, um, you know, not accepting offers below what he believes is the right value for some of his players. And he's dug his heels in about Harry Kane in the past. And it seems as though, as though Harry Kane has, you know, has, has taken a step now in, in, in order to try and force that move. I've spoken to a few mates of mine who are Spurs fans and the kind of general consensus from them is, well, I get that he wants to leave. I get that he wants to challenge for honours. I get that he wants to join a more ambitious club. However, I thought he was more professional than that. I thought Harry Kane was was loyal, more loyal than that. Let me just tell you guys something. There's no such thing as loyalty in football. It's very, very difficult to find nowadays in 2021. The, the players that are loyal and stay with the club and will deal with the club and, and sort of give their all through thick and thin are very hard to come by. What I would say in defence of Harry Kane, and I don't really give a shit if he leaves Spurs. In fact, I hope he does. But what I would say in the defence of Harry Kane is that he's given them a lot of years and he's performed at the top level for a lot of years. And so he's well within his rights, if you ask me, uh, to, you know, to want to move away. And I think the fact that he's done this, that he's not turned up to training is obviously, is for me quite obviously not the first step that Harry Kane's taken. I think he's probably had these discussions with the club. Those discussions have not gone the way he wanted to. There's reports that Manchester City lodged a bid at the end of June for £100 million and that Tottenham refused it. So I think Harry Kane doing this is probably a last resort for Harry Kane, um, you know, more than anything else. So he wants to go. He wants to go. Um, but I just find it funny because Spurs fans that are friends of mine uh, throughout the course of the summer have told me he's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go. He's not that fussed. He'd obviously consider it, but I don't think he'd dig his heels in and do exactly this, which is not turn up to training. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Let's go back to the Arsenal and what matters most. So here are the five issues Arteta must address before the start of the new season. I'm going to list the, the issue. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then I'm going to take your comments on that particular area before we move on to the next one. So let's start with number one. And that for me is the midfield. Now, I've maintained all summer the midfield is Arsenal's biggest area of weakness. And I'm not going to get drawn into that Granite Xhaka debate again because we've been having it all summer and throughout last season as well. He's staying put and I expect Xhaka to play a key role in the upcoming season. With the injury now to Thomas Partey um, and given the likelihood of Thomas Partey breaking down over the course of the season, I think we do need to address that area with or without Granit Xhaka. And we need to bring in another experienced and capable midfielder for me. Um, I think relying on Lokonga is a little bit too much of a risk. I think Elneny is one of these players who's 10 out of 10 for effort, but is nowhere near the level required. And I had a comment on the previous stream where somebody said, 
considering I go on about not having or people shouldn't have Jacka agendas. I've got one against El Nenny. I don't have an agenda against Mohamed El Nenny. I just don't think he's good enough. And I won't have it that El Nenny and Jacka are on the same level. Jacka is a much better player than Mohamed El Nenny. But the midfield for me is is the real priority. And it's why I've put it as number one, because it's an area that I, I just, I can't see how Arsenal can get through the entire season in terms of wanting to challenge at the level that we we kind of hope, wanting to push for a top four spot, which, look, it has to be the goal. You know, I know a lot of Arsenal fans, including myself, have looked at the way we are at the moment, looked at the squad, looked at the competition around us and gone, well, actually, if we finish in the top six, that's a relatively good season for Arsenal. But the aim, at least at the start anyway, has to be to finish in the top four. And I don't think you can go into this campaign without real ambitions of finishing in the top four with midfield options like Xhaka, Partey, Lokonga and Elneny. I don't see Ainsley Maitland-Niles as an option in central midfield. I know a lot of Arsenal fans have kind of talked about that idea, but for me, I don't think his future's there. I don't think he's good enough in that position to hold down a spot. I don't think he's better in central midfield than any of those players I've just mentioned. I think that Granit Xhaka can play an important role. And I think that Thomas Partey is obviously very, very important, the most important of those midfield players. But Thomas Partey is likely to be out now for four to six weeks. We haven't had the full prognosis just yet on how long he's going to be out for, what exactly the injury is and, you know, how long he's expected to be missing. But to know that he's going to be unavailable for a period of time is a massive blow. And as I said on the show, on the last show, it might be the kick up the backside that Arsenal need to actually make a move in the transfer market with regards to a central midfield player. Even with Xhaka and Partey, which is a midfield pairing I know a lot of people aren't happy with, but I am okay with. Even with those two, it you know, we're always just one injury away from having a really average midfield. And that is worrying. That is concerning. You know, in the midfield, you're going to pick up injuries. You're going to pick up bookings. You're going to potentially have suspension. And the fact that we, as I say, are just one player missing away from going from an okay midfield to a really poor one or bang average one is a big, big concern. And I am surprised and shocked that Arsenal haven't made a move in that area yet. I'm glad that we signed Ben White. I think he's a good signing. I think he is someone that can go on to really good things and is a real sort of long-term fixture in the club and and one that the club are obviously delighted to get over the line. But I'm shocked that that was the area that we prioritised first because it's been abundantly clear to me throughout the summer. And you guys that watch this or listen to this regularly will know that I've always said that that midfield is our biggest, biggest issue. We've lost Ceballos, um, who I don't think was great anyway, but obviously was an option. Lucas Torreira still hasn't returned, which is concerning. And so, you know, you look at it beyond then and, and you know, maybe Lokonga will play a bigger role than some of us anticipate. But even if he is that good, even if the club really do believe that and Mikel Arteta does believe that he's ready, it is one hell of a risk to take, isn't it? So I want to see Arsenal address the midfield. I think that has got to be the number one. Uh, let's see what else uh, you guys are saying. Uh, with regards to the centre of midfield. Um, 
Patrick says, if Arteta plays El Nenny instead of Lokonga against Brentford, we riot. Uh, Tobias agrees with me. Uh, Abby Oden says El Nenny's just not good enough. Uh, Inter says Xhaka and El Nenny has proven so many times that it doesn't work. Agreed. Um, Tobias says uh, starting the season with Xhaka and El Nenny pivot is a disaster. No chance of top four and can't blame Arteta. You can't blame Arteta if if he's trying to get the midfielders in the club are saying, no, we don't have the money. But you can blame Arteta when he's gone and spent £50 million on a centre-back, um, you know, has spent money on Tavares, money on Lakonga, and then we still don't have sufficient midfield cover. Because as I say, for me, that needed to be the number one issue. That needed to be the top priority. So the reasons if we do miss out on getting a midfielder and we do struggle, Arteta has to take some blame for that. He has to be held accountable for that. Um, let's take on uh, a couple more comments. Yo-Yo says Arsenal's midfield has been an issue since Xhaka replaced Santi. It won't be resolved unless more press-resistant direct players are bought in. Rufino Alves says, are there any viable loan options in midfield just in case we spend on Martinez and Ramsdale. Uh, Lewis says our starting midfield players don't even make the bench for any of the top teams. That's how poor our midfield is. Um, let's see with it. Damien Kelly says you're okay with it because you're a Xhaka lover, apparently. Um, I've never said that we don't need to bring in midfield. In fact, I've probably been the biggest campaigner for Arsenal bringing in midfield recruits this summer. I just think that if you can't go and get a 35, 40 million pound midfielder. That's the only, you know, then you're not really upgrading on Jack or are you? You'd be bringing, if you're spending 15, 20 million on a centre midfielder, are you really upgrading on Granite Xhaka? It Probably not. So if you're not upgrading on Granite Xhaka, then you keep him and you bring in another option, maybe in the, you know, no, actually forget that. No, you bring in another midfield option that can walk into the team when needed and can do the job and you can trust and to spark competition in there. You know, there needs to be competition in the middle of the park. It can't be, um, you know, Xhaka and El Nenny, sorry, Xhaka and Partey when they're fit every single time without anybody knocking on the door. Lokonga might be knocking on the door, but we don't know that yet. And Mohamed El Nenny isn't good enough to be knocking on the door. So you need competition in the way that we've got competition in some of the forward areas. It's healthy. It's good. It's what we need. So that's where we are uh, in terms of the midfield. For me, that is the biggest issue that Mikel Arteta needs to address. He needs to bring in someone a little bit more mobile than Granite Xhaka so that in the cer in certain fixtures, if Thomas Partey is fit, we can be that little bit more mobile across the ground um, and, and gives us a different option. But gives us different options in the sense of Arsenal can switch up the way they play, but Arsenal can also change it if one player is in form and one is not. And, and it just makes sense to do that. So competition is healthy in every area of the park. And I just think right now we've got two central midfielders in Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey, who until Sambi proves otherwise, are head and shoulders above the rest of our options. And that is not healthy, not in the midfield, not for me. I think you need options. You look at Chelsea. They've got Kante, they've got Jorginho, but Kovacic can come in there. You know, they they can change it up. They can switch it up. You look at Manchester City, they can change up their midfield. You look at 
Manchester United, they can play with a one-man pivot in midfield or they can play with a two-man pivot. They've got options because they've got talent there. Pogba, Fernandes, etc., etc. You look at Liverpool, you know, is it, or well, last season anyway, it was, you know, is it going to be Henderson, Vijnaldum, is it, and Fabinho, is Thiago going to come in there, depending on what they want to do? Is Oxlade-Chamberlain going to come in? That's the point. You need to be able to change your midfield for different games in order to nullify opponents, but in also to give you a bit of variety in the way you play and, of course, to accommodate for any injury suspensions or, or absences. Moving on to area number two, in which I think Arsenal really, really need to address. And this is a big, big problem for me at the moment. I gave him some praise yesterday because I thought he looked sharper uh, and a little bit more with it than he has done in recent times. But issue number two for me is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. What are you going to do with him, Mikel Arteta? Because you need to make a decision on this. Is Aubameyang going to be a centre-forward or is Aubameyang going to be a left-forward? Because for me, Aubameyang on that left-hand side, it just doesn't really work. Um, as, as I say, I thought he was better yesterday in a number of ways. He was sharper. But this current system, for me, doesn't really get the best out of him. So either you leave him out and you play with a natural wide player, if, of course, you're set on Lacazette playing through the middle, and you'll achieve a better balance as a team. I think right now what you've got is a situation where Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is getting quite a bit of heat from the fans because he's not performing. And he didn't perform for large periods of last season. But a lot of that is to do with the fact that he's been shoehorned into a side and played in a position that is a little bit uncomfortable for him in terms of what else he's being asked to do. So, you know, you need to achieve that balance in the side overall, but you also need to find a way of getting the best out of your 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 one of your top players. So you need to make that decision on him either. I would have more respect for Mikel Arteta if he just said that Aubameyang just doesn't fit in what I want from a centre-forward. He's not the right man at centre-forward for me, and so I'm going to play someone else. Then doing what he's doing now, which is essentially trying to shoehorn him into a side, and he did it way too often last season for my liking. Why does that give us an imbalance, though, as a team? It's not just what it does for us in an attacking sense. I think in the first half yesterday against Chelsea, there was a particular moment in the first half where I turned to my brother and I said, that's what I want to see from Aubameyang when he plays on the left. So Thomas Partey picked up the ball in the centre of midfield and he pinged out a pass to the left-hand side where Aubameyang received it. And Aubameyang had pulled right out to the touchline, which is what he needs to do. That needs to be his starting position. He took the ball under control and he started to drive in field with Kieran Tierney making the overlapping run. And he helped the ball on to Kieran Tierney, who got into a wide area. And once Aubameyang released that ball, it was head down into the penalty area where I go. That's what I want to see from Aubameyang when he's playing on the left. Too often, though, he doesn't start in that really wide position where he then has the pitch in front of him to attack and to drive into. And he starts from a slightly infield position in which he is just dead. He's not doing anything for the team in that particular area. And the fact that he does more often than not lack that width in terms of an unwillingness to pull out to that side, what does that do? It means that Kieran Tierney has to be relied upon to provide all of Arsenal's width down the left-hand side. And I think at times that leaves us as a team a little bit lopsided. And as we saw yesterday, and we've seen in various other occasions in the past, it leaves us vulnerable on the counter-attack as well, especially if the midfield don't do their job in terms of plugging those holes. But, you know, Kieran Tierney in that defence yesterday was probably the one player you'd look at 
of that back four and say has a, a fair amount and sufficient pace really to deal with some of Chelsea's threat. And if he's all the way up there, once you lose the ball, once the turnover happens, you're in deep shit. So Aubameyang being played in that position for me is unbalancing the team and is causing Kieran Tierney to be exposed at certain periods and is causing our midfielders, whether that is Elneny or Xhaka, to have to plug a massive hole because of Kieran Tierney's you know, need to go that little bit extra forward than he probably would with a conventional winger in front of him. And I just think it leaves us lopsided as a team. It causes us a problem. It doesn't get the best out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is clearly still, even though he's not in the best of form, Arsenal's probably biggest name, biggest star. So for me, you've got to find a way of getting more out of him. And that's not happening at the moment. So the second issue I want to see Mikel Arteta address before the start of the new season is with regards to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Let's see what you guys are saying uh, on that. Uh, some of you, Oba is finished. Um, what else have we got? Uh, let's pick up a couple more bits. Um, on the Aubameyang thing, Andre says he played well yesterday. Yeah, I think he did. I said that uh, yesterday. Um as well at the time. I thought he did really, really well. Uh, Anton says he can't do this because he made him the best player. I guess that's in response to me saying that he should maybe just make a decision, you know, either pick him or don't. Uh, Matt G says, I'm now really worried about Aubameyang. Not sure what the solution is. He's still our captain though, so can't just drop him. Um, Channel SHU says, Arsenal pressing high will force the opposition to play deep. This will further take away from Oba's game. He needs space in behind. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I really do. Um, Inter says, first time, I'm starting uh, to really worry about Aubameyang. It's like he's lost all his confidence in front of goal. I can see some of you trying to draw me out on the Granite Xhaka debate. Look, I've said my piece on that uh, a number of times. I'm not going to get drawn into that debate and that discussion again, not on this episode anyway. I'm sure we'll have it at some point. But for me, you know, Granite Xhaka is staying and that's that. So let's get behind him. Let's support him. I say the same for all our players. We can recognise that there, there are probably upgrades out there on a lot of these players, but I don't see that as relevant unless Arsenal are going to actually go and bring those upgrades in. And Arsenal, at this moment in time, haven't improved that starting eleven sufficiently. And I get that's why people are frustrated. But I, what I would say still is let's see how where we are at the end of the window. Uh, let me say a big thank you uh, to Samus for his very, very kind Super Chat donation. Uh, really, really appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much. He says, if there was five players you could get rid of and three players you could bring in, who would they be? The five I'd get rid of right now are Bellerin, Kalasinac, um, if we were going to bring in another player, I'd probably... Uh, no, wait. Bellerin, Kalasinac, Runarsson. Um, this is tough off the top of my head because I haven't thought about this at all. Bellerin, Runarsson, Kalasinac. I'd probably move on Maitland-Niles and Willock because I think you could get money in for those two. I don't see Willock as, as good enough necessarily. You know, Mikel Arteta may see him as a bit of a, a backup to Emil Smith-Rowe. Maybe that's why he wants to keep him. I don't know yet. Uh, but I think those two, Willock and Nelson, you could bring in decent money for. Uh, sorry, Willock and Maitland-Niles. And so I'd probably look to cash in. If a sufficient offer doesn't come in for Maitland-Niles, though, because of his versatility, then I might 
hold on and then maybe try and move Reese Nelson out instead. Three players I'd like to bring in. I'd love to see Arsenal go and bring in a central midfielder. Um, I, I'm quite, I'm growing on the idea of bringing in Guimaraes from Lyon. So that would be one. I'd bring in Martin Odegaard. That would be number two. And I'd bring in another goalkeeper. Um, I don't know who that would be yet, though. I'd have to think about that because um, I'm not massive on the Ramsdale stuff. Let me uh, move on to the next. Um, oh, yeah, Torreira. Some of you talking about Torreira in the chat. Yeah, I'd probably move Torreira on and keep uh, maybe Willock then or, or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Really good question. It's one I'll think about and we'll come back with a more definitive answer, I think. Uh, over the next few days. Uh, Deepak Patel says, uh, didn't say Willian. No, because Willian is... Uh, look, I, I'm... You, you know, you might cuss me for this and a lot of people might disagree. I, I, Willian had a bad season last season, but I still think that Willian is, um, is someone that can offer something to this group. And I don't think there's any issue with having that bit of depth in those attacking positions behind the striker. And Willian can play in any of those. So... No, um, uh, you know, I don't think he'd be a priority to move on. And also, you're not going to get anything in for Willian, right? You're going to talk about, you know, Reese Nelson, young player, up and coming. He's not really proved it yet, but you could get a fee in for him. You could get a massive fee in for Joe Willock and you could get fees in for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. What are you going to get for Willian? A bag of peanuts. What are you going to do with that? That's the thing. Um, he, look, he's not my favourite player in the world, but I, I'm not. I'm not as angry about William being at the club as some fans are. Uh, I'm really not. And I can't fake that and pretend I am. Uh, let's uh, let's move on um, and go to our next area of concern. The next issue that Mikel Arteta needs to address. And that for me is goalkeeper. Firstly, there's the issue of bringing in cover for Bern Leno, right? Because beyond Bern Leno, we are desperately short in the goalkeeping position. It's a big, big issue for Arsenal. Yesterday provided us with a stark reminder of the fact that actually, if we want to play this way, Bern Leno might not be the right man. You know, he's shown it time and time again throughout the last 18 months that his distribution isn't up to speed, isn't up to scratch, isn't good enough anyway to play the way that we want to play. Now, in a side where for whom playing out from the back is not necessarily a priority, I think you can get away with someone like Bern Leno. He's an incredibly good shot stopper. Very, very talented. Um, but, you know, he he doesn't possess the qualities that are required to play in this specific way. And at the moment, this playing out from the back business, as much as I understand why he's doing it, look, some of the best coaches in the world play that way. There's obviously benefits to it. But at this moment in time at Arsenal, it is costing us more goals then we're benefiting from it. We are conceding more goals off the back of errors when trying to play out from the back than we are scoring goals from drawing opponents out. And that is my big problem and my big worry. In an ideal world, I'd like to see Arsenal go and bring in another goalkeeper because I think this is going to be a big, big problem uh, throughout the season. <laughs> but I think that what you're going to see is Arsenal going and bringing a backup to Bernardo. I think that's the more likely outcome and that is not good enough for me. You know, if you're going to persist playing this way, then I think you really do need to improve in that area. It's massive and uh, it's causing us problems. Uh, let's go over to the comments just quickly. Uh, Brett Laguna says, easy, Harry, how are you, bro? Good man. He says, did you go to Winchmore School? I did indeed. I did. Um, I did go to Winchmore School. I'm assuming you went there as well. Um, if so, 
Hello. <laughs> um, Anton says, thank God Harry's not a scout. No, look, look listen, a lot of people, like I'm, I, I said, I didn't name Willian in my five that I didn't even think about. And I'm going to get battered for that, obviously. But I just think that when Arsenal signed Willian, and look, he's been crap, right? There's no getting away from that. But when Arsenal signed Willian, I don't think it was a ludicrous deal to do. He was an experienced player who was going to come in supposedly to provide support in the attacking areas for a group of players who were still developing. And I think that was the right decision at the time. Are we paying him too much money? Maybe, probably, yes. But we didn't pay a transfer fee. And unfortunately, that's the way football works. When you don't pay transfer fees for players and they're available on free transfers and a number of clubs are competing for their signature, what you do is you end up in a place where you have to over, you have to show them that you want them. You have to overpay or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, and Arsenal have overpaid in terms of wages on Willian. But, you know, Willian's made a couple of decent contributions in pre-season. That's not to say that he's going to go on and have a really good season. But I don't think he's as bad as some people make out. That's my point. I think there are other players that you should be looking to prioritise moving on first and players that could actually bring you a transfer fee. Why wouldn't you prioritise letting players go who are going to bring you a return that you can then go and spend to enhance the squad. I mean, losing Willian is not going to help Arsenal um, go out and bring in the players that they need, is it? What, it's going to help a little bit in terms of getting his wages off the bill, but it still doesn't raise funds for transfer fees. That's my point on that. Willian, can you sell him? I don't know. I don't know. He's been linked with a move away. He Maybe he will go. Maybe he will go to Saudi Arabia as reported, but that's not at the top of my list right now, because for me, the three positions behind the centre forward are not Arsenal's priority right now. I'd like to see us bring in the number 10, and I'm going to come on to talk about creative midfield in a bit, but it's not at the top of my list, and as you'll see, as you'll find out in a moment. So the three issues that I've said Arsenal need to address so far, number one is the midfield, number two is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and what is going to happen with him? How is he going to be used? Can we get more out of him? If not, do we need to be harsh and just make the decision that he's not going to be our centre-forward moving forward? I don't know. That's on Mikel Arteta. Number three is the goalkeeping area because I'm worried about the cover for Bern Leno, but I'm actually worried about Bern Leno himself as well because I think we've seen Bern Leno's shortcomings cost us quite a bit since Mikel Arteta's taken over, and I worry that that will continue to be the case in the new season. Number four is right back. Now, I know that I've said throughout the course of the summer that if I was to look at the positions in which Arsenal need to strengthen, right back wouldn't be at the top of my list. And it still isn't at the top of my list. It's number four for me here because Arsenal have players in terms of volume, in terms of numbers, who can play in that role. But do not underestimate the importance of fullbacks in the modern game. They don't just have to be competent defenders. They have to be the full package. And neither Chambers, Cedric or Bellerin are at what I would class as Champions League level. And look, that's where we want to be. That's where we're aspiring to be. That's where Arsenal need to get to. They need to get back into the Champions League and compete for one of those positions, or at least compete for one of those positions, I should say. As I say, we've got players there, but I think it over the course of a season, you're going to see that Callum Chambers is not a good enough right back. You're going to see that Cedric Suarez is probably not good enough. I would argue, and this is an unpopular opinion, that Cedric over the course of the season would do a better job at right back than Chambers because I think he is more of that full package in terms of, I think he can impact games getting forward. I think he's 
a little bit more of your traditional fullback in terms of his profile, in terms of his build, in terms of his qualities. Chambers still looks a little bit awkward for me at right back. And yes, he's got physical attributes that Mikel Arteta likes. The fact that he gives us an extra body to defend aerial situations is something that Mikel Arteta has spoken about in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an area that we need to improve in. It's an area that we need to upgrade in. And, you know, I think, yes, we've got players there and I understand it not being at the top of the priority list, but I think over the course of the season, you will see that we are lacking quality there. Number five is the creative midfield slash number 10 role. That for me is an issue too. And look, I'm a massive fan of Emil Smith-Rowe and I talked yesterday about how I think there's a lot of pressure on him now because of the reaction to his signing of the new contract, the fact that everybody seems to be walking around his LinkedIn these days with Emil Smith-Rowe on the back of their shirts and number 10 and all that. And obviously I'm delighted that he has signed and I think he's great and he's fantastic. I love the way he carries the ball. I've talked about that before. His vision for me is excellent. I think he's got great technical ability. I think his decision-making is really, really good. And I think he's mature way beyond his years in terms of on the football pitch and what he does with the ball at his feet. But if Arsenal are to maintain a challenge for the top four this season, which, as I've already said, has to be the goal, the creative burden must be shared. And right now, all of that creative burden is on Emil Smith-Rowe in a central area anyway, because we're not getting it from the midfield behind him. We're not getting it from Thomas Partey. We're not going to get it from Granite Xhaka, really. We know that. And so everything in terms of our creativity through the centre of the pitch has to go through Mill Smith Rowe. And I think that's a massive burden to shoulder for a player so young. Remember that as good as he is, Emil Smith Rowe has only played, what, six months in the Premier League regularly? And the other thing to note with Emil Smith Rowe, and the other thing to worry about, is his injury record, which doesn't make good reading. Emil Smith Rowe frequently breaks down, and I expect that to be the case again this season. I think his condition will improve because he's playing regularly and he's only going to have to play one game a week, etc. So I'm good. I'm glad about that. But I do think that we are going into a massive... Um, we're taking another massive risk, just like we would be in the midfield if we don't strengthen there. If we were to go in the season and rely on Emil Smith-Rowe to do that job by himself, week in, week out, over 38 games. That's my concern. Great player, though. I love him. I really do. He's my, I've said it before, he's my favourite Arsenal player at the moment. But he needs support there and Arsenal need an alternative option as well. And um, who that's going to be, I don't know, if anybody. Fingers crossed it's somebody because, as I say, it's an area of concern. So those are my five areas of concern, uh, five issues that I believe Mikel Arteta must address before the start of the new season. Just to recap, number one is the centre of midfield. Number two is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Number three is the goalkeeping situation. Number four is right back. And number five is the creative midfield slash number 10 position. Right, let's uh, check in where we are in terms of likes at the moment. If you haven't done so already, please do smash that like button. It really, really does help. And we're going to take some questions of yours for the next 10 to 15 minutes. So at present on YouTube alone, we have got 374 watching, but there's only 73 likes on the board. So we need to get that up to at least 150. That should be achievable. There's more than enough of you uh, watching. Quick reminder that this show is brought to you by manscaped.com. So if you haven't checked them out, please do so. Click on the link in the description, enter the discount code 90min20, 
and you'll receive 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. The final thing I'm going to ask you guys to do uh, before we dive uh, headfirst into your questions is if you haven't done so already and you'd like to support the podcast, please do vote for us in the Football Content Awards. As I say, we weren't going to go in there. Uh, I wasn't going to really ask for votes, wasn't going to advertise, but I've seen lots of you have voted for us because I can see it on Twitter, which is fantastic. So there's two ways to vote for us as the best club creator. Um, and you can do that either by clicking on the link in the description. This is the easiest way. Click in the link in the description. Go to best club creator. Type in the Chronicles of Aguna. Scroll down to the bottom and submit your vote. You don't have to fill in the whole page. You don't have to answer all of the categories, just best club creator. That's what we're in. So go in there, check it out, pop our name in there, submit that. Or you can tweet the following. I am voting for at Chronicles underscore AFC in at the underscore FCAs for hashtag best club creator. That is rolling across the bottom of your screens now for those of you watching us on YouTube. Uh, but whatever way you're going to do it, all votes will be massively appreciated. We're not going to win it, but it's nice to be in there. And the reason we're not going to win it is because there's some much bigger creators out there who, even if 10% of their audience did it, they'd beat us. But it's just nice to, to know that, you know, their content is being appreciated and seen as there's been some votes anyway, well, we might as well give it a bloody go. Right. Uh, let's take some of your questions from the live chat box. Lewis Cooper says, do you think the court case against KSE is impacting our summer spending? It seems like we've done a U-turn on Jack up. I'm not sure that the court case is really having that much of an impact. I know Daniel Weck has been, or people close to Daniel Weck have been sort of suggesting that that could lead to them being forced into selling Arsenal Football Club. I think a lot of the figures have been misquoted and I probably was guilty of this. I think I spoke about the fact that there were reports saying that Arsenal or, or the Cronkies could be liable to pay up to £700 million to the city of St. Louis in compensation. And um, having dug a little bit deeper into that over the last couple of days, actually, I think that £700 million would be paid in compensation to the city from the NFL who approved the moving of the of the the Rams. Now, I don't know a lot about NFL. I don't know a lot about American football, but that's what I've read elsewhere. So if you know any more on that, feel free to share. But I think that 700 million figure that is being talked about in compensation, first of all, is the worst case scenario, which there's no guarantee that'll be what, what they're asked to stump up. But I think all of the NFL clubs would be liable for that. So that obviously makes a big difference, doesn't it? Uh, so I don't think it's making that big of a deal, uh, big of an impact, sorry, on Arsenal's transfer plans. I think with the Xhaka thing, I think the U-turn come off the back of Arsenal not receiving an offer that they felt was sufficient for from Roma for Granit Xhaka. I reckon Granit Xhaka's probably got the arse with Roma a little bit. You know, he's been promised the world by Jose Mourinho and Roma and talked about how much they want him. Supposedly, we heard there were reports that the, the two had been in contact. But then after all of that, Roma... Are unwilling to stump up a, a decent amount, a, a respectable amount. And so that transfer's fallen apart. And Xhaka's probably looking at it and gone, just like Arsenal Football Club, well, if you want me that that badly, you'd pay the money and you're not. So screw you, I'm staying here. I think it's partly that. And I think it's partly the realisation that to bring in someone else of Xhaka's level right now, I'm not talking about the Sambis of the world who may go on to be better, but I'm not just it yet. I think people, they, they've looked at it and they've gone, well, Ruben Neves, and I've talked about this before, is he a big upgrade on Granit Xhaka? He's 
probably a slight upgrade, but he's not a massive upgrade. And so 35 million is, is a lot of money for someone who isn't that much of an improvement. I think you could say the same about a number of options that have been discussed this summer. And so I think Arsenal have taken that into consideration as well. I don't think it's to do with with um, KSE's court case, I've got to say. But it's a good question. Uh, Assassin says, this window has been shocking. We had an opportunity to sell these Deadwood players. But the manager decides to keep them. And then when the window closes, he's going to come with the excuse that we did our best. I think that's a little bit unfair. I don't think he's decided to keep hold of a lot of these players. He's decided to keep hold of Granit Xhaka, who he values. And a lot of Arsenal fans do value. If you take away your anti-Xhaka agenda, which a lot of people have, you know, I don't care. People will get offended by me saying this, but there are a lot of people out there for whom Granit Xhaka can do no right. If you take away your agenda, you can't say that he's not one of the best two central midfielders at Arsenal Football Club. If you say that, I can't take you seriously because that is blinkers. There are not two midfielders at Arsenal right now that are better than Granit Xhaka. There's one in Thomas Partey when fit, but beyond that, there isn't anybody else. And so that's not Deadwood. He's a starter in your team. He's not Deadwood. Deadwood is Serkalasinac, Hector Bellerin, who appears to have become second or third choice right back. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles can't get in the side for love or money, not involved. That, you know, and I look, Ainsley Maitland-Niles could be of use in some ways, but obviously he wants to be a midfielder. So as far as midfielders go, for me, he's dead wood. If, you, if he wants to play right back, right wing back, left back, left wing back, covering midfield from time to time and be the utility man that he's so good at being, then Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a useful player. But Ainsley Maitland-Niles, the centre midfielder, for me, is not someone I'd particularly care if he's at the club or not. So this is the thing, you know, Xhaka is not dead wood. Xhaka is an important part of the team. Dead wood is someone that is just hanging around the place and rotting. And there are other players in there who definitely fit into that category. But it's all good saying get rid of them and sell them. Nobody wants to buy them and nobody wants to pay for them. So, you know, what can you do? That might change in the future. That might change between now and the end of the window. And I do anticipate Arsenal will probably have to accept that they're not going to get what they first set out to get for some of these players and move them on on the cheap. That's the reality. That's what's going to happen, in my opinion. Uh, let's take a few more of your questions. Um, let's see. Uh, Jonathan says, uh, why are we appointing coaching staff from City, which seems to be the worst coaches because defensively we look bad. Look, we we had a set-piece uh, coach last season who um, who didn't do a very good job, clearly, or didn't make that much difference anyway. And Arsenal have decided to move him on and bring on another one. And look, can't judge him on pre-season. I've got to be honest. Uh, let's say a big hello to Sam Rivera, who says, I've been a long time listener of your audio podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to finally view your video live stream today. Keep up the amazing work. Much love from Woodbridge, Virginia, USA. Sam, thank you so much for your continued support, mate. Thank you for tuning in via the audio platforms and welcome uh, to the YouTube channel as well. Let's see. Um, let's take a couple more Um of your comments. Um, Jack, a lot of you taking issue with my comment about Xhaka not being dead wood. Um, 
Or Sile Jeremiah says, but is that not our problem? Xhaka being one of our best shows that we are levels below the rest. Uh, Laith says, what agenda are you talking about, bro? Xhaka is Deadwood. Do you think Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, United, Leicester or Tottenham would put him in their midfield? Ashani follows up, but isn't that the problem, Harry? The fact that Xhaka is our best slash second best midfielder, Xhaka wouldn't got, have gotten into previous Arsenal midfields. And I agree with every single one of you there. Maybe Granit Xhaka is an issue in the sense of if Arsenal want to go to an, another level, they have to replace him. But Granit Xhaka, of all the things we've talked about and all the issues that are glaringly obvious in this Arsenal team, is not at the top of the list. He's not at the top of the list. For me, anyway. There are other areas of greater concern. But secondly, you can't call someone dead wood if you haven't got anyone to replace him. Dead wood is something that is hanging about and is rotting in the background. Dead wood is trying to get someone off your wage bill that isn't playing a part. Granite Xhaka plays a significant part and will play a significant part until Arsenal go out and get a better player and bring him into the club. So until they do that, you can't say that one of our most important players is dead wood. He's dead wood when you bring somebody else in um, who's better. Then he becomes a bit part player. Then he becomes a sideman. Then he becomes surplus to requirements. But at this moment in time, he's important. So there's no point sitting there looking at our first team players and getting on their backs and criticising them and calling them this and calling them that when the club haven't actively gone out to bring in someone else to improve, someone else who can replace him. If Arsenal went and signed Manuel Locatelli, then I'd say Granit Xhaka, OK, now he's surplus to requirements. He's not part of the first team, so we can afford to move him on. That would be my opinion. Um, you know. And, and I think that's fair. But until that happens, then I don't think, you know, I don't think we're in a place where we can we can really take that attitude. And, you know, some of you take issue with that. Yo-Yo says that's semantics. Harry people arguing that Jacko is preventing the side from progressing. You know, Shaka was going to bring in. Fifteen million pounds had Roma agreed to 15 million pounds and Arsenal sold him. You'd have all said, well, good. Now it's opened the door for us to bring in another midfielder. What would 15 million pounds have got us in the transfer market? Not very much. So Arsenal need to be looking to improve that midfield, regardless of whether Granite Xhaka is at the club or not. And it's what I've just said as well. It's what I talked about earlier on. I named the five issues that I think Mikel Arteta needs to address. Granite Xhaka specifically wasn't one of them, but the midfield was. So Arsenal need to go and do that regardless. Granit Xhaka's not preventing Arsenal. He's not preventing Mikel Arteta going and signing another midfield player. He's not knocking on Gra on Mikel Arteta's door, pointing a gun at the guy and saying, if you don't go and bring us in another midfield, or if you do go and bring in another midfielder, then I'm going to shoot you. You know, Mikel Arteta is well within his rights to do that. And Edu is well within his rights to do that. If they find the player... And they have the money to do it. And they should be doing that in spite of whether Granite Xhaka is at the club or not. That's my issue on that. And that's why I get a little bit frustrated when people say that he's pre preventing us moving forward. No, he's not. Because we just spent £50 million on a centre-back. So Arsenal clearly have money to spend in the transfer market. So go and spend some money on a midfielder that makes Granite Xhaka redundant. A midfielder that is better than him, that forces him out of the team. 
and puts him in a place where he is surplus to requirements and then we can move him on and then we can get rid of him like so many of you want us to do. Arsenal, there's no excuse for Arsenal not going out and bringing in another midfielder, whether Granit Xhaka is at the club or not. That's my view on it. Um, Jonathan says, Harry, why is there such a reluctance on moving on El Nenny? I understand he's a player who will not complain if he doesn't play, but there's evidence that he's not good enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do agree. Uh, I think with El Nenny, he's in that. It's very rare to find players of El Nenny's mould, isn't it? Who will come in from time to time, do an okay job. Um, if it's only from time to time, like I've said, and are happy to play that kind of role. So, and again, what are you going to get for Mohamed on any in terms of transfer fees in? And that's that's probably part of it as well. So that's my take on the five issues that Arsenal need to address by the time the new season kicks off. And uh, I know some of you will agree, some of you will disagree, and that's absolutely fine. Listen, this is a debate. That's what this channel is all about. It's what this podcast is all about. And I'm delighted that we we do it in a respectable way for the most part in terms of being able to exchange and get passionate about it. Um, but regardless of whether you agree with me or not, I do appreciate every single one of you for tuning in. And the fact that so many of you who disagree with me so regularly, regularly tune in, obviously is great. So um, it's great to have the discussion. It's great to have um, the chat. And um, I look forward to catching up with you all again very, very soon. Let's just quickly check in where we are on the likes, because I can see right now across the multiple platforms, there is about 500 of you watching us, which is fantastic. On YouTube, though, we've only got 120 likes. Come on, let's get that up um, to at least 150. Big shout out to the Wandering Minstrel as well, uh, who joins us in the chat. Look, Final point on the Granite Xhaka and the midfield thing is that can we find a better player? Are there better players out there? Yes, there are. But until the club are willing to do that, then Granite Xhaka will play a key part in this team. And so your anger when your disappointment and your frustration about Arsenal's midfield should be directed at the club and not at Granite Xhaka. That's my point. Arsenal, in spite of whether Granite Xhaka stays at the club, whether he's here or he's not, need to go out and improve that midfield. When they do that and we have someone to come in and take his place, then by all means, push him out, push him to the side, deem him surplus to requirements and go and get, uh, you know, and play the player that you have just gone and got. I've got no issue with that. But until that happens, he is part of this team. He's a key part of this team. And stop directing your anger and your frustration at him and criticising him and commenting on every tweet Arsenal put about him, saying, I can't stand this guy, get rid of him, etc., etc. Stop commenting on his social media platforms and having a go at him. Direct it at the club for not going out and getting the players that they need or the players that would take us to that place where we're better, that would see us move forward from Granite Xhaka. Because right now I look at that midfield and I still think he's in the top two midfielders at the football club. Until that changes then he's always going to be a key fixture. Final thought. There you go. Right. I'll catch you all very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Enjoy the sunshine. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.